0: I want to start off with a couple questions. The first one is, of all of your time spent listening to sermons or your own personal time in the Bible, who is one of your favorite faith giants? Truth is, it's sort of hard to narrow it down, isn't it? There's so many that you could mention. A second question is, in your life, the people you've encountered, the people you've had conversations with, the people you've known personally, who is a great faith giant among those people. Recently, preparing for an, uh, an AFC class, I was looking through a passage in a book, the Book of Numbers, that honestly, I've not spent a lot of time in. But I'd been thinking about faith in regard to college students, and was looking at different passages, and really came upon this one somewhat accidentally. You know, faith for us, we know, is a, uh, an assurance in the things we don't see, the unseen. There will be a time when faith is realized and what is sort of partially known will be fully known, but it's not that time yet. So we live by faith. And so this morning, I want to talk a little bit about our faith and what makes it weak and how we might can make it stronger or adapt to circumstances or times or situations when our faith gets sort of dented or there are chinks in that faith armor. What does it for you? I was thinking about things that make my faith weak or when I feel like it's dampened. It's not a belief ever. That's different, a belief that God exists, that he is the creator. I I don't struggle with that. But I do sometimes enter into periods where my faith is weaker, where I feel like there's just a little bit of a dimming, shall we say, in the strength, in the assurance, in God's involvement. So one of the things that attacks my faith, or I'm susceptible to, is looking at circumstances that surround me, either personally, circumstances I'm going through, perhaps my family's going through, or even a greater context of circumstances. When we look and we start asking questions that are somewhat verbalized, can be verbalized like this, um, I can't see God in the things around me, I wonder if God is really concerned, what is God doing? Does he even care? Why is he choosing uh, this for my life? What good could come of this? Those kind of questions. When we look and see and are aware of circumstances or situations that are um, personally affecting us, or maybe we see what's happening around us and we wonder the same thing. And that causes Our faith and honestly my faith to sometimes be weaker. So this passage in Numbers chapter 10 um, stood out to me about faith. It doesn't mention faith specifically. You won't see the word faith in the written text, but what's happening is the Israelites are passed and out of Egypt they are in the wilderness of Sinai. They've already received the Ten Commandments. They've already built and built a golden image, idol, to a Canaanite god. It's been about two years, and it's about time for them to start moving. God is going to signal for them to keep moving, and they're going to travel through more desert into an area called the Desert of Paran. And Moses is having a short conversation, just two or three verses, with a brother-in-law. And what's happened earlier in chapter 10 is they've used trumpets. I mean, they're blowing trumpets when they're gathering as a whole group. They're blowing trumpets when they're gathering when the leaders are gathering. They're blowing trumpets to leave, to stop, into battle. There's a lot of trumpet blowing. And the people are starting to move out by tribe. You'll see that in Numbers 10. But our focus is on a couple verses because it's a conversation uh, that Moses has with this relative of his. And it looks like this in verse 29 through 32. Now Moses said to Hobab son of Reuel the Midianite, Moses' father-in-law, we are setting out for the place about which the Lord said, I will give it to you. Come with us and we will treat you well, for the Lord has promised good things to Israel. He answered, no, I will not go. I'm going to go back to my own land and my own people. But Moses said, please do not leave us. You know where we should camp in the wilderness, and you can be our eyes. If you come with us, we will share with you whatever good things the Lord gives us. Now, I like that because Moses is excited. He's inviting this relative to go with him because he is assured of the good things God has promised for Israel. Now, already there's been times of discouragement and despair. Moses has to deal with his own brother, the building of the golden image, the idol to a different foreign god. There's been the heat, the desert, the sand, uh, the wandering, the complaining, the whining. But yet Moses, even at this time, when they're fixing to go, and I don't think that he knows all that he's going to encounter. I'm sure he doesn't. But he's inviting this relative to go with him because why? Because he knows that the God has promised good things and he wants him to experience those good things. Interestingly, in chapter 11, immediately following this chapter, you'll see they're already complaining again. So in the midst of plenty to be concerned about, in the midst of evidence previous that things are not going to go smoothly, with almost the assurance that things are going to be uh, there's going to be some poor, difficult, disparaging words and things and encounters and difficulty ahead. He still is confident of the good things that God has promised. So much that he says it twice. In verse, the first, verse, first past part of the passage where the Lord has promised good things to Israel, and then at the end, we will share you whatever good things the Lord has for us. I like that assurance I like the assurance and confidence in God's goodness even in the midst of what has been difficult times and even in the midst of what, what's going to be in the middle of coming difficult times. That helps me think about my own faith. That the circumstances that we know and we know this in our mind, but the circumstances don't impact our faith in the goodness of God and his involvement and his uh, care its not determined by what we see around us in the circumstances that we're in. Another passage or two that I want to show you that has a phrase that I'd like to, uh, for you to take with you. I've tried to start thinking about more Um, you've heard it maybe someone uh, sometimes in sort of a uh, just a language in a greeting or just in maybe in a conversation it's not super common but I think maybe we could make it more common and more popular first In Psalm 27, before we get to that little phrase and the two verses I want to read specifically or the couple verses I want to read um, and show you here, is in Psalm 27, a very popular psalm. You're probably familiar with it. It's one of the ones that we tend to be more familiar with. These are some of the phrases it says through the psalm. When evil men advance against me to devour my flesh, when my enemies and my foes attack me, an army besiege me, war break out against me, the day of trouble. False witnesses rise up against me, breathing out violence. This is, these are phrases that are in Psalm 27, but yet is such a psalm of confidence in God's blessing, salvation, that safety relies with him. And then the psalm ends like this. I remain confident of this. Even in the midst of all of that, I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord. Think about Moses head in the wilderness. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and take heart and wait for the Lord. So those two words I underlined, take heart, are also, also found in John sixteen, thirty-three. So in John sixteen, Jesus has sort of prepared or is preparing his disciples for his departure. And he knows that's going to be difficult. They're going to be scattered. They're going to be persecuted. And at the end of 16, when he's already talked about him leaving them, and they're going to be you know, on their own, essentially, at least not in his in the physical presence, he says this, I've told you all of these things, and some of them have been difficult to hear. So that in me you may have peace, and in this world, your circumstances, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. So this phrase, take heart, is an expression of optimism, even in the face of difficult times. It's an expression of assurance of God providing and continuing to be good to us. It is a, it's a sort of a, a heart realization that even if things around us to our eyes seem to be chaotic, there seems to be full of anger or rage, and there's despair. That even inside our heart, there's the confidence, assurance, acknowledgement that God is good. And he has good things in store. I mean, this had to be what Moses was feeling, right? He's already experienced leading this difficult band of people. He's going to experience much more difficulty, but he is uh, excited about what's ahead. And in his convincing, trying to convince this relative relative to go with him into the desert or to keep traveling with him, he says, hey, you can take part or you can be a part or a recipient of the good things God has promised I love the phrase, take heart. There are going to be difficult times. We've we've experienced plenty of difficult times personally. um, And again, in a greater context, we are now, and there will be difficult times ahead. But as God's people, in the midst of all of that, our presence is typically going to be magnified in the eyes and ears of other people, if we can verbally and through our own emotions and actions exhibit a confidence and assurance in the goodness of God. And that strengthens our faith. So in those moments when my faith is weak and there is a dent and a chink in it, or there could be, I want to remember both the psalm and in John when the psalmist and our savior says, take heart. Your version might say, be of good cheer. No matter what's happening in the world around, I've overcome the world. And no matter what your circumstances are, and there'll be moments of weakness There'll be moments of discouragement. That's sort of a characteristic, isn't it, of the great biblical faith figures, and also maybe the people you've known personally. Those people, both biblical people and the people in your life, have experienced difficulty. That's just part of it. But we take heart. So, when we're leaving each other's presence, or maybe at the end of a letter, or at the signing off of an email or a text, we might say, take heart. And in that, we know, is wrapped up all of the goodness that's promised to us as God's children.
1: I just want to thank Brian for his words that are so relevant for us uh, today uh, through everything that we've experienced in the last few months. But I wanted to answer just real quick his, his two questions. Who are your, um, you know, when you think of scripture or somebody in scripture, um, you know, right now because of some of the, the readings that I'm walking through, some of the letters that Paul wrote, of course, the thing that always comes to mind is his authenticity of where he's at and the experiences as we read throughout the letters to the different churches he he talks through the difficulties but i love where what brian was saying about what what god does is his assurance and the confidence in god got him through every single one of those and then when i think about my spiritual uh, giant in my own life um i think of my own dad Interesting story is I love basketball. Um, I always tell people that if I was six, seven, I may not be doing this. And so, but I would sit for hours and watch basketball with my dad. We would sit and watch basketball, but he would tell me stories about their lives. He would tell me stories about what was going on in their life, the difficulties, and the good things. And wonder where they were with the Lord. And so those, those are the types of conversations that I often have with my own kids now. So even in this time, um, for us, if you find those moments with your family, with your kids, use this time to point them to the assurance of Christ. I love where uh, Brian was taking us this morning, Take Heart. And I just want to read that again, the John chapter 16 verse 33. I've told you these things so that you may have peace in a world uh, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And those words not only take heart, but I have a that's what we're taking heart in is that God is still in control. So, those of us that sit here, those of us that are, are listening online, we have experienced something unique in our own world. We may have um, felt a, a level of, of depression or anxiety. And we've talked about these things, right? You, you've probably seen a few uh, YouTube videos on these, trying to break out of this. Or you may have gone and seeked um, some help over these things. but. The reality is, is we are each experiencing this differently. And we may have points in our life that we are experiencing trouble. And so, I, I want to, before we kind of wrap up, um, what we're going to do here in just a moment, we're going to sing, uh, sing a song. And I love this. This is God orchestrating this morning, it's wonderful, merciful Savior. And if you've never heard this before, you just this is a prayer. This is a beautiful song. I want to read some of this because this reminds us once again of the truth of God's word. It says, wonderful, merciful Savior, precious Redeemer and friend, who would have thought that a lamb could rescue the souls of men. You rescued the souls of men, a counselor... Comforter, keeper, spirit we long to embrace. You offer hope when our hearts have hopelessly lost our way. We've hopelessly lost the way. You are the one we praise. You are the one we adore. You give the healing and grace our hearts always hunger for. And so I'm going to pray, and I, uh, as we end our prayer, we're going to go into singing this song. And I hope that, that God grabs a hold of us and where we're at, what we've been experiencing—if we've been at a good place, bad place—God's present. Let's remember as we sing this song. Uh, sing this song. His truth, His promises. Let's pray. God, this morning we're reminded that no matter what is going on in our world, no matter what we experience, even though we may be at a hopeless place, you are our hope. God, we go to your truth your word to hear what we need so god this morning reach into where we're at and remind us of the eternal hope that you have overcome the world in jesus we pray amen